Drumford Church has been on a Saturday, so uh, you are unique, okay, and special. And we've been trying to uh, tie this in together, and I'll do part of the Vision Day, uh, what I'd, uh, I've adapted everything, it's adapted to each church, and so this time... Uh, what we're going to do is part of the vision stuff we'll do through the sermon, and then uh, around lunchtime there'll be more uh, work that, you know, f- there's a few bits of paper I just want you to fill out uh, to get an idea, because uh, about vision is about having the right focus, and you can't get the right focus unless you know what you're focusing on. And this a part of this process to find, you know, where are you as a church now and where do you want to be as a church in the future? And, and it is uh, sometimes about trying things out and just adapting to see where God wants you to be. Uh, that happened to me when I went to the opticians because the, uh, the opticians say, what do you do? So I told them what I, I did and uh, they said, that, well, we think the, the best sort of glasses for you will be very focals. Guess which are the most expensive sorts of glasses? They're very focals. Uh, but they did promise me if I did not get on with them, they would refund my money and give me back reading glasses. I said, well, actually, what I want is those half-rim reading glasses I can perch on the end of my nose. And my wife said, over my dead body. And I said, why? She said, with a grey beard like yours, with a stomach like yours, uh, uh, you're going to look more like Father Christmas uh, than anything else. Um, so I'm going to try my very focals. I only picked them up this week. Um, and, and if they don't work, I'm going back to my reading. I've got some reading glasses as well. Um, uh, these aren't going to work. <laughs> they're, 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 they're definitely not going to work. Uh, money back. What can I do with this money? Um, uh, but what actually makes a great church... Uh, some like big churches, some like small churches, some like urban churches, rural churches. I've been to them all. I've travelled around the association. I've uh, been to a lot of our churches. And each one is unique. We had a small churches conference very recently, and uh, a great description was given of uh, a small church and a larger church. Um, They said that a large church is an orange and a small church is a tangerine. You might look the same, but a tangerine is not an orange. And every church is unique. And in that uniqueness of where you are, where you minister, it's important to have God's focus on what God wants you to do in this place. There's a great story. You've probably heard it before of Sherlock Holmes and Watson. They were out camping one night. In the middle of the night, Sherlock Holmes woke up and he looked up at the stars and he asked, Watson, what do you see? And woken from his sleep, Watson looked up and he said, Stars! He said, no, but what do these stars tell you? Watson Watson then replied, cosmologically, they tell me that we're a part of a a large universe. Uh, Theologically, they they tell me that that we we have a great God that made all these stars. Meteorologically, they tell me that the sky is clear and we're going to have good weather tomorrow. Temporarily, they tell me that it's the middle of the night and we should be sleeping. (laughs) Sherlock, what do they tell you? Well, he replied, they tell me someone's stolen our tent. (laughs) When it comes to the direction of the church, what do you see? We've got some slides. I want to put up the first slide, if we may. Um, It's a very interesting picture. The way ahead. What does your road look like? Whatever road you're going to go in the future... You will find it will be windy, it always is windy, it'll be uphill. God does not say it's going to be an easy road. 
But the second slide, what does it say? Do we feel it's like this? Uh, so many people think, oh, this is where we're where we going. Uh, I think that's actually in Los Angeles. Um, uh, I, I remember flying over Los Angeles and seeing something very similar to that. And uh, it is, uh, where do you go with it like that? And so many churches are in that place right now and they're just very unclear of where they go. Uh, the problem is that we have uh, no clear direction where we're going. It's very easy to have lack of, def- uh, lack of destination. And when we have lack of destination, then we have lack of vision. The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So we are to have vision. If we ever need a, a blueprint of declaration of faith, Hebrews 11 is a wonderful place to start. By faith, Noah warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. In his faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness. It goes on and it tells about Abraham, who goes to a place he would later call and receive as his inheritance. He obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. What is your vision as a fellowship collectively? What about your vision as an individual when you look back on your own life? Where are you going? What do you want to see? I I believe there are three very distinct different types of churches. And they all seem to link in with the three things I want to bring out of Advent. So I'm going to try and tie the the two together. At the end of the service, you can say, Nigel, that was rubbish, that didn't work. Or you might say, that worked, okay. Um, But as as you're going through this Christmas time, you are preparing for, you'll be preparing for Christmas and getting everything sorted out. We've mentioned the cards, the food, the presents, the Uh, the parties, the crackers, the carol service, the indigestion, uh, the nativity play, everything else that will come with Christmas. But to look back is not a bad thing to do at Advent because what happens, you get to the Christmas festival and you're looking back to when Jesus came. And there's an acknowledgement in a historical point of view that Jesus came. And, uh, and it's good to remember that he came, that God loved us so much that he came. And in Advent, to look back isn't a bad thing. The only problem is that too many churches are always looking backward all of the time. And they become known as, I think, the next slide. Oh, no, actually, uh, actually, we'll just do this in a minute. Where, where have you come from? Uh, how many of you were here in the 1960s? Anyone? A few? How many of you uh, pre-1960? In this church, a part of this church. Who's a part of this church? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, pre-1960. Anyone who came here in the 60s? 70s? 80s? A few more? 90s? All right, and since the year 2000. So most of you have been here more recently. Come the next slide up. Can you remember who was the minister? Can you name all your ministers in that time? So you've had a, you've had a few. Yes, in that, that time. That's good. And how, what was the worship like uh, back in the 60s? Was it anything like it was today? Pardon? Much different. Much different. And I... Wouldn't you? So you've seen a lot of development in that pedal organ. Goodness me, things have changed. But I want to ask the question now: Why did you come? 
What actually brought you to the church? Anyone like to say, what brought you to this church? God said turn left. All right, okay. What else? Yeah. 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 Okay. Thank you. Love. Love. When we came here, there was an overwhelming sense of love, and I think it was that which, without any doubt, covered over the threadbare curtains, the harmonium, all the things that in those days the younger families would not be looking for for that special. I'll always remember when I went to. I moved down after I finished my A-levels to Somerset. And I, we lived in West Buckland, which is between Taunton and Wellington. And I couldn't make up my mind which church I was going to go to. So I thought, well, I'll try Wellington first in the morning. And I'll do Taunton in the evening. Um, and I went to uh, Wellington Baptist Church. And as I sat in the pew, this elderly gentleman came over to me and said, oh, are you visiting? I said, yes, I am. He said, well, would you like to come and sit next to me? I thought, what a lovely thing to say. And I sat next to him, and he turned around and said, um, the pew you were sitting is Mrs. Jones's pew, and she'll be really upset. <laughs> uh, but after that service, uh, another couple came up to me and invited me to a meal. And, and that made all the difference. I never did go to Taunton. And, and right, you saw beyond, I saw beyond this really dark, dismal, horrible church. Preaching wasn't that fantastic on that day. You know, it was a good preacher, but that day it wasn't particularly good. Worship was very trad. But I, I stayed. I'm glad I stayed because I met my wife there. Uh, I was called into ministry from there. Um, but it, it started with that being invited to sit next to somebody. Uh, it makes a difference, that welcome, that love. And uh, in my last church, it was quite, quite interesting. We had because we were centre to a community, especially the West Indian community, and we had so many people came to the church and stayed with the church because of our involvement with funerals, because people felt loved, and we, we cared for them and followed them up. There are many different reasons why you might come here. You need to think that of yourself. Why did you come? Why did you stay in the church? And what changes have you seen? It's good to look back, but if we put the next one up, the problem is we become a rear-view mirror church if we are constantly looking back. It may be good at times to do that and to reflect. It's not good to stay there in that place. Uh, they, it's very easy to miss what's happening today because you're constantly looking back. Decisions of this, uh, of, uh, this kind of church are based on what generations grew up with the past, what they feel comfortable with. You're, uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 137, by the rivers of Babylon, we wept as we remembered Zion. The children of Israel did not understand what they missed, what God was doing. God was doing a new thing. They did not understand. They saw captivity as an end rather than a beginning. They saw captivity as an end instead of the beginning of the change where Jesus was going to come. Poor, poor vision limits your sight and poor vision can be very dangerous how did I know I, I needed glasses in the first place I was at the top of a ladder I fell off a ladder why did I fall off a ladder I was repairing a light outside the, the house and I couldn't see the uh, 
<laughs> the end of the screw. And guess who leant back a bit further to try and get focusing? And bang, he went. Uh, so my wife dragged me off to the opticians. You need glasses. And it has made a huge difference. But we need to have glasses. In a sense, spiritual glasses to be able to see. Not just constantly looking back. Because if we're constantly looking back, we, we have this mentality of the good old days. God isn't interested in the good old days. He's interested in what's going to happen in the future, not what's happened in the past. It was uh, Helen Keller, blind to death, was asked once, what could be worse than being born blind? To which she replied, having sight without vision. The eagle and the vulture are very two different birds. I'm a bird watcher. And, uh, and I've been and I've watched vultures uh, out in America. And uh, also the bald-headed eagles. And they're very, very different. Why? Because uh, the vultures look to the past. They're looking for dead meat. They're, they're, they're looking for the... Uh, they, they thrive on that sort of diet. And yet eagles saw high over the beauty of the earth... The vultures live on what was, they live on the past. They fill themselves with what's dead and gone. But the eagles, well, they seek new life. Each bird is looking, knows what it's looking for. But what sort of bird are you? Are you willing to learn from the past? Yes, that's fine. But you can't live there. Too many churches are spending all their resources lamenting of what was. And it's a case of now saying, what was has happened Let's go forward from that. Uh, so the person who all the church are trying to look backwards when they're walking is going to do what? Fall over. The second sort of church uh, is the, uh, next slide please, the maintenance church that's only looking at the present. And uh, Advent is about looking at the present now when God is at work among us, sharing the love and faith as I've already mentioned, it's great this time of year because you can invite friends and they, they know what Christmas is about, they know what Advent's about, they, they, they like the carol singing and they will come. Churches up and down our land will be packed with people who never go to church any other time. It's good to look at the present, but there's a danger that churches that simply stick to routine, pattern events to simply sustain ministry, will fail. A caretaking church is always considered with dealing with the present issues. In a pastoral vacancy, and I'm not allowed to call it an interregnum, why? The Latin is between kings. I know ministers think highly of themselves, but they're not kings. But in in pastoral vacancy, 95% of the churches go into maintenance mode. Oh, can't do this, can't do that. Oh, better not do that. Oh, better wait till the minister comes. And, and they wait, and so they just go into that maintenance mode, and nothing ever happens. And yet, I think about that, and I mean, this is only one of the whole church, and are we not a priesthood of all believers? Do we not have leadership within the life of the church? Can we contribute in our church meetings to the vision and the focus for the future? It always seems to be in main... Churches always seem to be in maintenance mode. Let's just keep our head above the water... Let's, uh, let's just put all those decisions for the future, let's just put them on hold, just in case. And then when you do that, the number one question is always, do we have the money now to support this? 
Jesus called his disciples to him. He says, I have uh, compassion for these people. I have already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry for they might collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? But he does, because he's looking to the future. The caretaker church is realistic and comfortable. As long as the services are good, as long as our needs are met, and as long as we're reasonably happy, we can live like that. That is not living by faith. Jesus wanted to feed the crowd that's been following. We don't see any bread in the wilderness, but Jesus says, I'm going to feed that 5,000. And he continues to want to feed those at five head as well. A pastor thought that God had given him an idea and he presented it at the monthly church leaders meeting. After sharing his ideas to uh, to the deacons, the deacons voted against the pastor's proposal 12 to 1. One elder looked at the pastor and said, well, pastor, it's 12 votes to 1. It looks like that you've been outvoted. Uh, it looks like the time's up for the evening, so can you please close in prayer? The pastor, not wanting to give up yet, uh, still felt that God was leading him for them to do this thing. He prayed, he lifted his hands to heaven, he prayed, Lord, I know my brothers do not here have the same vision that you have given me. Please help them to see that this is not my vision, but your vision. And at that exact moment, a lightning bolt with a loud clap of thunder burst in through the window into the meeting room, striking the table, splitting it into two, and knocking all the deacons to the floor. As the dust cleared, the pastor looked at the head uh, deacon and said, Okay, what do you think about that? And the deacon dusted himself off and sighed, well, I suppose that's 12 votes to two. (laughs) Maintenance ministry. Or, you can be the third, next slide, the visionary church. I I love this picture. (laughs) It's all about having faith. (laughs) You too can be the visionary church, achieving all sorts of things. But a visionary church needs to be, needs the present and the past, but needs to look forward. It's the church that believes that the best is still yet to come. A visionary church invests all they have into today so that they can be what God wants them to be tomorrow. A visionary church trains men and women and leaders today and just don't wait for another person to come. The visionary church seeks to be relevant today and works on the methods that meet the needs of the members for the future. Advent is all about, not just about Christmas, Advent is all year, it's about the coming of Jesus. It's about the vision waiting for Jesus to come. But if Jesus came back tomorrow, and that's in the future, if he came back tomorrow, could you say you're ready? If Jesus said, what are you doing with all your time, the energy, the gifts, gifts that I've given you, would you be ready? If Jesus says to you, what are you giving with the money that I've allowed you to have and the resources, are you giving that back to me? Are you ready? Jesus says, in your worship and giving of yourself, have you given yourself fully to me? If Jesus comes tomorrow, and there is no reason at all why he could not come back tomorrow, are we ready? Or do When he says, do you have a vision of what you want to do as a fellowship for the future with me?
Are we ready? A visionary church seeks to be relevant today and works on its methods that meets the needs for the future along with Jesus. A visionary church realizes if it's not failing it, if it's not failing it, realize if it's not failing at times, then it's failing it because it's not trying. If you want to be a church that moves forward with vision, you will make mistakes. You will make mistakes. Things will not go quite wrong, quite right. And things will be, sometimes you could come back and just say, hey, we tried that, but it didn't work. It's better to be a visionary church making the mistakes and not actually going forward. It was Jonas uh, Salk attempted 200 unsuccessful attempts uh, to create vaccines for polio before he came up with one that worked. Someone asked him one time, how did you feel to fail 200 times while trying to invent a vaccine for polio? This was his response. I never failed 200 times at anything in my life. My family taught me never to use that word. I simply discovered 200 ways not to make the vaccine for polio. But how much vision do you have for the, the Lord's work? A blind man's world is bound by the limits of his touch and hearing. An ignorant man's world by the limits of his knowledge. A great man's world by the limits of his vision. By faith, Noah went and built an ark. 120 years he had to wait. He'd never built an ark before, but he built it. It seemed completely impossible. A, by faith, Abraham left his land and, and took his family to somewhere he had no idea where he was going, but he just trusted in God in order to have that faith. Jesus was a visionary. Why was he a visionary? He entrusted the whole of the gospel message to 11 weak and very frightened men. But through God's power and wisdom, through his spirit, they changed the world. Instead of looking to the past, trusting in the present, they looked and served for the future. A vision without a task is a dream. A task without a vision is a drudgery. And a vision and a task is the hope of the world. But a vision includes faith to believe, and it means to dream the dreams. And after, or during or after lunch, we're going to have an opportunity just for you to dream the dreams. And I'll just give you some blank piece of paper to write down in groups what is your dream. And then we put the next side up. Because it's important to share the dream. I did a vision day uh, yesterday. I was down in Plymouth. And uh, it was really great. We had a time of sharing uh, a vision. Uh, a small church in a very difficult area of Plymouth. And they, at the end of it, I said, how was that for you? And they said in unison, this is the first time ever we realised that we're all singing off the same hymn sheet. And uh, because they were able to focus on the dream. They're, all their dreams were exactly the same. I went to another church uh, in Devon, small village church, and I said, dream the dreams, think out of the box, what is God calling you to do? And there were three ladies, and I'll never forget, sat on a table, and they started sniggering. And I said to them, I said, um, have I said something wrong? They said, no, we have a dream. So I said, what's your dream? We would like to have a swimming pool. <laughs> I said, well, I said, we, in our village, we don't have a swimming pool. We can't go all the way into Exeter every time we want to go swimming. Wouldn't it be great to have a little gym for the village and a swimming pool? And I thought, well, that was thinking out of the box. It's not happened. I said, well, write to Virgin Gyms. You never know that you might start something new, a little village gyms around. But at least they dreamed the dream. They were thinking outside the box. And they said, if we have a gym, people will come to us 
and we can minister to them and we would have a better pool for baptisms. And <laughs> they were just thinking, you know, all the time at these new things. But it's about dreaming uh, the dreams. Can you have the next slide, please? But what are your dreams for this church and for this community? Think about that, because you, and you've got time to think about that. What is your dream? Uh, are you thinking big enough? Uh, as a year three class, uh, my, wife, uh, my, my daughter's a teacher, and uh, she was telling me this story. She said that the class was sent home, to, uh, and they were told to go and count the stars as a part of their science uh, lesson. So the next day they came back and there were a whole variety of numbers. Once, uh, one person said there were a hundred stars in the sky, another said a thousand, another said a, a million, another said a billion. And they eventually got to the final boy called Johnny and they said, uh, how many stars did you count? He said, three. He said, only three? He said, I guess I got a small backyard. <laughs> a church without vision is a church with a small backyard. And we're not looking hard enough. But vision also includes, uh, it it includes courage and uh, a lot of courage. The vision is the ability to be able to see what other people can't see. Faith to believe in what others will not. Courage to do what others say cannot be done. It was uh, Columbus as he travelled around the world had the same entry in his diary day after day after day. He said, this day we sailed on. This day we sailed on. What a great motto for a Christian that we can say that. We sail on. We sail on into the vision in the hope of what might be. Discouragement might come. But the discouragement often comes when we start holding back on the dream and saying, oh, we haven't got the money for this and we we can't, we've got the energy to do that. Dream the dreams. And vision fights through the obstacles of fear and the lack of resources. The courage of vision says, Lord, if that is you, let me come to you walking on water. The courage of vision says, as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. The courage of vision says, if God be for us, who can be against us? The courage of vision is to say, the trials of life are not worthy to be compared with the glory of the next life. Vision to see the unseen. You have to ignore what some people say. Disregard what the world says. Resist the, temptation to be, resist the temptation to be guided by man's ability. The, the word tells us when we walk by faith, we walk not by sight. Our vision must be spirit-born. It must be spirit-fed, spirit-led to accomplish anything. I'll carry the next slide out. But the vision includes you. When was the last time that as a church you took a good look at each other and realised that the possibility of that your future vision could be shaped and informed by the giftedness of the people that the Lord has brought together here? Have you realised that's why you're here? Why God has brought you here? Next slide, please. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here, says Alice. That depends a good deal on where you want to get to says the cat. Next slide, please. Shall we pray? Father God, we we know that it's it's quite tough at times trying to focus on vision about where you want us to be because so often we feel that we are 
uh, in that crossroads and so many roads going in different directions and, and yet there's no sense of certainty. But I pray, Father, that as the fellowship here starts to dream the dreams, share what is the mission focus of this church, what are the values that belong to this church, that they will grow in a greater understanding not only of each other but where you want them to be as a fellowship. And I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will guide them as they seek to discern your will, that they will have the courage to dream the dreams, that they will be able to fight through the obstacles of fear and lack of resources, but that they will be able to go the direction to which you want them to go. And we know, Lord, that the, you know, there's that saying that the world is your oyster. It is here within this fellowship as they seek, to seek the vision for this church and for community. And I pray, Lord, that as they go through this Advent period, they can be looking forward not only to your coming again, but also that they are looking forward to where you want to lead them. Lord, it's good to look at the past. It's good to be in the present. But we know that you want us to be in the future. Lord, accept this process in the name of Jesus. Amen. You have the next slide, please. After um, the way the way the process is going to, to happen, this is only just one of two meetings I'm going to have to have with with you. There's going to be a time when we can just reflect on uh, what do you feel is important as uh, as mission for the life of the church, and you know, what's val- what, what are the values of the church, what matters, and the dream, the dreams, and the other thing. It's always good to have a health check. I've had a health check on my eyes. My car had a health check when it went for its MOT. Uh, PCs have health checks. Well, we all have health checks, and it's good to have a spiritual health check on the church. And I have a, a, for most of the stuff we'll just do in little groups, I could leave with you, but uh, this this is uh, everyone everyone individually. You don't have to put your name on on this at all. Um, It's a health check. Uh, Some of these uh, statements are uh, for Five Head Baptist Church as it is today. And it's important that you're honest. I will collate these and then the leadership will get them eventually to, to work through. And I've written a summary on that. And it's simple questions like, uh, the, ch- the church is a loving place where people cared for. There is a sense of being family. Naught is not true at all and five is totally true. And it just gives you an idea where the weaknesses and the strengths are of the life of the church. So that will be uh, something for you to fill out. And then in the new year, after there's uh, been a time to focus on this, we will come back again and say, okay, what sort of ministry do you feel is appropriate for the life of the church? And we'll work through that process as well. But that could happen of of an evening, just gathering people together for an evening meeting. Is that clear for everybody? And so that's what I hope will happen. So I'll hand back over to you.